Welcome to an in-between episode of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Podcast. In between, some room with not a lot going on. Don't worry about it. Not important. The only thing going on is Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to find myself in this room that you guys are in transition of, eh? (laughs) Well, we needed a room and it worked because it had four walls and a door and and a couch at least. Yes. There you go. Well, thank you very much for coming. Yes. Especially so short notice. It was, I'm glad you got back to me. A lot Man, of people like, don't. No, yeah, well, <laughs> as soon as you messaged me, like, I, I did a little digging trying to figure out a little bit about the show, so I it got me interested. And, the fact uh, that you called it a show is really complimentary, too. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> Most people just call it a thing. A thing? We could start calling it a show. It's a show. Well, I mean, it's, it's microphones, it's video, I mean, it's a show to me. So if we're explaining it to older people, we call it a radio thing. A radio yeah. thing? Yeah. 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 Do they ask you what station you're on? Not yet, maybe. (laughs) One person we're in the process of actually sitting down an interview, he wanted pre-production. We had to go and make sure he took notes. Like it's, he, yeah. He's a very well accomplished person that has a lot of things to talk about. So it's fair. Fair He's also a little bit older, so I think he wants to make sure that he knows everything he needs to say. Gotcha, gotcha. I was debating whether to do that for this. Like if I really need to come with like, all the stats, you know, if you guys really ask me what the average price is in St. Catherine's, well, something like that. But... Let's, let's put it out there. What do you do? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I like to ask the hard questions. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm a real estate agent in Niagara. I work for uh, Remax Niagara, uh, which is actually, um, I'm also part of the Davis and Delot team. So, that's Sean Delot and Terrence Davids. I've been in the business for just about four years now. So, you know, on the grand scheme of things, as far as the people that are part of the Niagara board, that's like a drop in the bucket. Very small, right? There are people that have been in for 10, 15, close to 20 or 30 years, right? Because it seems like real estate agents don't retire. No. But uh, yeah, so I've been doing that for about four years now and uh, it seems to be taken off. And I mean, taken off enough where you guys found me interesting yeah so <laughs> I, I like i said i love the instagram page yeah thank you thank you people who are good at social media catch my eye anyways yeah it's not something that's you should just take for granted that's yeah for yeah sure. for sure and uh, i don't know how i followed you on facebook one day i i must have because i as i said i haven't bought a house i yeah. just must have followed real estate agents and yeah stuff comes up and yeah nice i like it and there's some agents out there that don't know good real estate photography and whatnot so you always stuck out to me and yeah yeah great well yeah i mean that's it's kind of the way it is right like you just gotta it's it's pretty much like the equivalent of door knocking now right is just branching out in social media and if you're good at it you can do really well with it right um and yeah honestly my instagram page like i just started it about a year ago so i'm pretty late to the game but, but you're like uh, five thousand yeah over five thousand right pretty close yeah. yeah i think uh maybe by the time this air is probably close to five thousand yeah so, so that's good <laughs> yeah yeah um my my rule of thumb when i'm doing stuff like that is just trying to make sure that you know at first glance you know exactly like what i'm doing but i also want to pepper in a little bit of like who i am as well because social media should be more about accessibility, right? You want to make sure that you're attracting people like yourself. So then hopefully you work with people that are more like-minded and, you know, you just kind of, you gel a lot better, right? That's how you kind of get long-term clients, I see. But that was my initial impression. But like lately, it just seems like I'm just accumulating a lot more friends, you know? So it's nice. So. <laughs> it's the bull rolling for sure. Yeah. I 
I think if I had to pick a real estate agent these days, and I, if I didn't have one, I'd probably look on social media first just to see who has sort of a cult following around them. Yeah. I don't know. We mentioned earlier Joe Gonzalez. He's got quite the thing going for him. Man, Joe. I, yeah, Joe is killing it. He's yeah. good at it. It's the personality, I think, that sells it, really. Yeah. I mean, you can sort of feel like you know him a little bit as a person if you keep up with this stuff. Yeah, and he comes off as completely genuine, too, right? Yeah. Like, you guys sat down with him, and you, he's exactly like the way he is on Facebook and on his videos, right? That's him. So, a lot of people appreciate that. So What you see is what you get. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. good. Shout out to Joe. Hi, Joe. Out- Hi, Joe. So So, as far as what uh, the the real estate you do, do you find that you get more of the high-end clients that are looking for more expensive houses or is it just a good mix of everything across the range these days? Uh, Lately, it's been a lot of a mix. Uh, You do get the occasional buyers that are interested in more high-end luxury properties. Those folks usually tend to come down from other cities like Hamilton and the GTA and even farther up north or even uh, out of province. But uh, they come down on like the nicer weekends, but usually during the week, it's usually local folk. Um, lately, it seems like a lot of first-time home buyers are really trying to get themselves in the market. Yeah, get the foot yeah. in the door. Which is super nice because like three or four years ago, that was kind of unheard of. So now they kind of have the ability to do that a little bit more. The unfortunate thing is that they tend to swim with sharks, right? Because the folks that can afford that price range are the investors as well, right? So unfortunately, in those competition situations, they find it difficult to compete. When I was trying to buy my first house, it was a, a, there was many houses where we found something exactly what we wanted, which we, you know, of course, had our own specifications of what we needed. Yeah. And then as soon as you find it, you go to put in the offer like, oh, never mind. Somebody just bought it with cash. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's it. And it, yeah, and it gets discouraging after a while, right? Yeah, because like it took at least a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like after the fourth or fifth attempt to like buy what you think is your dream home, just getting snaked out by some out of town or with nothing but cash, and just mm-hmm. gonna like flip it around and barely live in it. It gets tough, but uh, luckily, over the last few months, it's kind of cooled down a little bit. You know, spring market's kind of over, so you know some. Buyers are getting pickier, so like they're not moving all that fast anymore. So hmm. here's hoping that lasts for the next year and a half or so. I'm curious so. to see what the low end of the market looks like because it seems like even when I bought a house not even a year ago, it was you could get something halfway decent for around two hundred thousand, yeah. and even that seems unrealistic anymore. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you end up seeing anything on there that's two hundred and under, it's more than likely a trailer or a teardown. Yep. Right. And and what I got for it was a duplex that had, at least in the past decade, been mostly renovated with modern insulation, modern vapor barrier, lots of of things you would you know call for. And of course, there's little flaws with plumbing and electrical here yep. and there, but it wasn't half bad. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, no, you don't want something that's an entire fixer-upper unless no. you really had the cash to begin with, and then you might just buy something more expensive to start. Yeah, even like right now, the price point for first-time home buyers is you're looking at about three fifty, mm-hmm. which is insane growth in like the last five years, right? Yeah. So it's uh, it's tough out there, but it's not impossible, which nope. is nice. So this house that we're in right now is sitting on the market, I believe, for. At least four months, and mm-hmm. it was—I don't know what was going on with it, but there was no offers on it. And I—I I think it's a bit of a steal. I think paid about three hundred and twenty. Mm-hmm. And the main thing for me was it's—it's it's a nineteen forties house, but the lot is—I think it's a hundred and sixty feet long cool. and sixty feet wide. So I mean, space. Not bad. That's yeah. something that I value, anyways. I don't know yeah, yeah. 
how many people are really into that but yeah but yeah thought it was a pretty decent deal yeah it's not bad nice and sorry when did you buy it uh in march around march this year yeah good for you so that's good some uh, you can get lucky with something that's just been on the market and for whatever reason nobody's taken an interest in it yeah yeah sometimes they just kind of sneak by right it's it's tough sometimes with some listings because like you're looking for a specific buyer profile for those listings so like a one like this maybe like certain people didn't see like they would get the decent return on investment for it but i mean for you like i mean if it's more long term or if you're living in it then yeah it works for you right? i don't think so. the math would work so well if you were trying to rent it out i think you'd yeah. have to rent it out for like maybe around 1600 dollars a month and that's you know if you're not including utilities and all sorts of stuff it's you know it's, you might get somebody but yeah it's, you might not yeah for sure yeah for sure so and there's there's little things that i don't really feel right about renting it out like sure I, you know, I feel like it's a pretty good deal overall, but there's little things like the basement floods mm-hmm. and some people are, can't deal with that. No. I don't mind. Whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Wet basement. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people can't deal with that and they, they want the opportunity to finish it too. Right. And then mm-hmm. they see that and it's just like, no. it's not even worth the, the effort to try. Yeah. So. And the extent that, you know, someone like that can set you back is it looks like the foundation has to be in, t- you have to dig up the entire side of the house or, or redo significant parts of the foundation mm-hmm. in order to stop that problem. It's really not an easy fix. Nope. No, no, for sure. And there's definitely little things like that. Um, A lot of the homes, especially in St. Catharines, I found, they're all going tilty. They're all, they seem to have some structural problem at this point in time where the floors (laughs) just don't go straight. All the homes in St. Catharines are like that for you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) At least the ones that I was looking at, anyways, the cheaper end of the market. St. Catharines must be sinking then. (laughs) It seems like it. It, It's worse there than anywhere else. Although St. Catharines and Thorold seem to have the most of the... um, crawl space type basements too so it's a little yeah. bit different building structure yeah yeah for sure out the niagara way it seems like a lot more full basements at least from what i saw yeah 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 i mean it all really depends on where you're looking right because like come like st Catharines, if you're looking in the older neighborhood you're looking in glenridge or downtown or yeah you know shipman and the the fits and stuff and like those are all like wartime houses and you could get lucky you could find a basement that you could finish or is already finished mm-hmm. which is kind of like a golden goose down there but uh yeah i hear what you're saying i mean most of them you get people that have lived there for 20 or 30 years and some of them keep them up and some of them don't no. some of them live with the, the the water in the basements and and they're just happy with it they just kind of deal with it like that's just the way it is right so i'm curious as to how things pan out for a lot of the newly built houses because um, the work that I do with Mountain View Homes, there's a lot of customers that end up buying the finished basement with the house when they get it. Yeah. You know, what what happens, you know, 20 years down the road when the basement starts leaking and something and it just destroys a finished basement? Because yeah, honestly, yeah. I don't trust the standards most Well, yeah, isn't that the thing? Like, to. aren't you supposed to wait a certain amount of time before you finish the basement? I would think for so. some settling. Something right? could so. crack, something could, you could yeah. have some kind of issue. Yeah. But, so trying to get sales in order to kind of squeeze a finished basement in there like right after it's built it's kind of iffy right so you know, the reason why it happens though i think is the student population because there's a lot of students around and people will just buy a house make compromise compromises on the layout just to have as many bedrooms as possible stick two bedrooms in the basement and yep. just you know, yep. load it full of students rent, rent it out at 400 bucks a room and you're laughing right yeah yeah it looks cheap to them but they're killing it yep. yeah yeah for sure for sure it seems like um, as far as the new houses go, at least Mountain View, they're b- building a lot more townhouses than they are single detached homes. Yeah. Not selling almost any single detached homes these days. Yeah. 
Yeah, that seems to be the the way things are going, especially in St. Catharines and Thorold, because they know that a lot of the people that are going to be buying those new builds are either going to be like empty nesters that don't need all that space, or yeah. investors are just looking to rent it out. And if you end up buying a full detached home to rent out, the rent rate that you select for that is going to be something that just ain't going to fit, right? So, no, the math makes more sense, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do you? Do you see a lot of people maybe flipping houses that were built in the past, say, four years or so? Is that a thing that's common no. in the market? In the four years? Yeah. No, because all that stuff is considered, like, still relatively new, right? So, I mean, there's really nothing you could end up doing to flip it, so. No. Well, the funny I thing I mean, is... like, buy and holds for sure. Yeah. Like, you get people that will end up buying stuff at the early stages of development, and wait for houses around them to build up, and then sell it for twice as much, hmm. right? You see that all the time. I've seen a few in individual cases where say a family i don't know if they come from somewhere in the gta they buy a house down here and then only a few short years later so you know their kid or whoever's going to a different school and suddenly they're leaving and but they're walking away with a significant boost in equity anyways in, in the yes. home yeah. which is an interesting thing the new houses seem to almost immediately spike up in value like after they're finished yeah yeah cause- and- because they, you get people that kind of get in at the ground floor, hmm. and it's always kind of a gamble when you do that because you really don't know when the end date is happening. Um, but then once that happens, you know it's it's also an appeal too because like people are looking to move into a neighborhood and they just can't see it with all the like the dirt and the construction that's going on around them, right? Mm-hmm. So you wait it out, wait for everything to build, and then once that becomes a sought after neighborhood, that's when they turn around and just sell it out. Yeah, that's fair. I I would not want to be a person that buys into the first wave or second wave of a subdivision because mm-hmm. you're going to deal with construction noises firstly, and then they're not going to relevel the road until later, and they're yeah. not going to put sod in until you, you deal with a lot of while. crap before you get like a uh-huh. decent looking neighborhood, right? Yeah. So, but by yeah. the time that last wave goes in, the neighborhood is looking kind of nice and it's quiet, and there's you know yeah. maybe kids or some life to it as well. Yeah, coming around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, Jesse, how close do you think you are to buying a home? It, it always seems when we get the real estate people on, there's always a point of conversation where I have I have no point of reference. <laughs> I, over the past few years, have thought that I should. The job has always been an issue because for the longest time I was self-employed. Mm-hmm. And now, for the most part, I'm not self-employed, but I still have the the self-employed attitude i still have the potential to go fully self-employed so that i the income is kind of sometimes questionable yeah it's a bit up in the air right um difficult to get a mortgage without the consistent income yes Yes. and even a year's worth of pay stubs is counts for a lot more than say half a decade of self-employment yeah and unfortunately i only have about two years of like not even two years of full-time income versus half a decade of self-employed income because mm-hmm. there was a long stretch there where it was all it was glorious it was mm-hmm. wonderful as a young renter and here i am so <laughs> i don't know because i my significant other has to find her stepping and find a job now that she's moved in with me sure so maybe another year it's I'm not also, too long from now. I've also got, you know, I, I have a decent deposit down, or I have a decent deposit yep. that I can make. It's yep. just, 
when I do, we have to strike and hope not to get killed by too many sharks out there. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's really no rush for yourself. I mean, like houses will, will come and go and like the market will tend, tend to fluctuate, right? Don't really anticipate in any type of dip or bubble burst to occur because implement, implementation has been put in place to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But you know, when it's good um, for you, it comes there. You go for it. So maybe we could talk about the difference between putting five percent down as opposed to twenty percent or more. Just because I, I hear a lot of people recently talking about it not being worth it to buy a house because they couldn't make the twenty percent and they don't want to pay for mortgage insurance and they, and they think that tips the balance mm. in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Uh, I think for a bit it was true. Uh, I think not so much anymore. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that the mortgage insurance will kick in regardless now with the new mortgage rules. Um, so regardless of 5% or 20%, I think that still applies. You still have to get mortgage insurance? Yeah, about? I think yeah. so. Yeah. I didn't know that. I think like, I think they changed that in the last year or so. It but. makes some sense. I don't know what the rate of default on a, a mortgage is compared to what it used to be. But. Yeah. But it, it, especially for young buyers that maybe have some kind of instability in their lives and might yeah. not be able to afford it. I well, I, I think that's what they originally implied with like the new mortgage rules when they put those in place because mm-hmm. they end up putting on those stress tests on people. Yeah. Just to make sure that you're not making yourself house poor when you go out and buy a place because mm-hmm. you feel the pressure to go out and get a place. So, But I think in return, it just kind of slowed down the market completely. But luckily, I mean, here we are about a year and a half after that was put into place. And, you know, no bubble burst. We slowed down to a point where, like, we're pretty much at a balanced market now. Still a bit of a seller's market, even though, like, list price is usually at about 97% for the sale price. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, again, like, I, I enjoy working with first-time home buyers because they're, like, the really hungry ones that are willing to kind of get out there and, and mm-hmm. do something. And it just... It's it's an uphill battle, right? But yeah. I mean, it's all in the hunt to try and get it done. So yeah, I think um, what's seen a little bit less stability and more of an incline for at least two years now is the renters market. Because I, every single person that I've talked to when we were like interviewing people to to rent out the duplex that I have, mm-hmm. just had nothing to say. But all these prices are ridiculous. Like we can't afford these things. That every place goes up. Yeah. Very very rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, it has been going up, and uh, I think it's just kind of a reaction to investors coming down and trying to buy rental properties, and they've got to make money off of what they're purchasing, so like that's when the rates go up, right? And unfortunately, you're going to get to a point where, like, yeah, tenants have no choice but to end up renting for those those prices, right? So, but, uh, I mean, I think the city's trying to implement more low-income housing and more rental properties out there, but kind of shot themselves in the foot when they convert all the apartment buildings into condos right so now there's like nothing left for anyone mm-hmm. so there's um actually i'm thinking of an interesting thing about converting things so do you know anything about the tiny home trend <laughs> it's kind of a funny one it's, it's not really a real estate thing so much no but. not too much eh? like but uh i mean i've seen hgtv shows about it yeah that's yeah, about it, it these funny quirky homes that lots of millennials are trying to build to like avoid the whole 
mortgage sure. and, and all that stuff. It, it seems funny. I, I laugh. Every week I see someone article like so-and-so county in the States or, or somewhere in Canada, whatever, bans this certain type of home for not reading or meeting certain square foot requirements or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe the building requirements are kind of prohibitive from making more affordable housing? Because everybody always talks about affordable housing, but... If you can't make stuff that's cheaper to build, say, like, mm-hmm. by square footage or whatever, how can you really make affordable housing at the end, end of the day? I don't know if that could be a reason why a lot of people don't see any money in, in like, investing in low-income housing. But the other thing is you're investing money in low-income housing. Like, if you have the ability to do mid-range or high-income, right, for a subdivision, like... Why are you going for, unfortunately, the smallest fish in the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. So you're putting more bang for your buck. Like there's, I think the city is trying to implement more incentives in order to encourage developers to create more low-income housing because they know that they need it and more rental properties. Yeah. Um, but it's it's slow. Like everything in development with St. Catharines is slow. So There's not a lot of space left in St. Catharines too. Not so it, too much. It can't really go where... There isn't already structures. You have to tear down old structures. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and the only place where there is uh, property is pretty much all spoken for with, like, I'm thinking mostly, like, 4th Avenue and Martindale Road going towards, like, from the QEW to yeah. the where the GO station is or going to be, right? So, like, that's all pretty much slated. A lot of commercial Low, space Low-income and... housing is not going to happen there. Nope. Because, you know, in the next 5, 10 years, it's going to skyrocket to the moon with, like, you know... Big old, uh, big old tower, big old commercial properties, so big old condos. So, if there is a big rise in some kind of, well, there seems to be a lot of commercial space in in St. Catharines specifically. It'd be interesting to see if if more housing cropped up in areas like um, in Pelham or or Welland or somewhere where there is tons and tons of space, mm-hmm. and you had more mm-hmm. people that just commuted for yep. their work or whatever else they have to you do. You do start seeing that. I mean, especially if you end up going to Northern Welland area, like where the Seaway Mall is in the school, uh, Niagara College. Yep. Um, you do see a lot more development out that way, and especially out Fond Hill. I'm so, currently building a set of four townhouses out there. There you go. Yep. Case in point, right? So the opportunity is there. The land is there. It's cheap. Yep. And people are buying it, right? So again, like a lot of my first-time home buyers, they originally wanted to buy in St. Catharines and Thorold. Lo and behold, like they see the prices, they see how quickly they go and what you get. Then they start seeing what you can get in Welland and then even farther like to Fort Erie. And they're like, well, we might as well buy like a really nice house in Fort Erie for 300000 instead of yeah. like a teardown. That's, in uh, that's the biggest catch. I mean, I was looking at a couple places that were not really in the city of Fort Erie, but in the little, you know, towns along the way. Yep. You can get a you know, half acre or whatever with a decent looking house on it for the same price as you could get some really cramped small house yeah, out yeah. in St. Catherine's way. Yeah. Yeah. It's all those types of concessions and what's, uh, what's worth it to you? Like, is it worth the drive for you to drive yeah. out to Fort Erie for half decent plot of land in a nice house? Right. So, and some people it is. So. I have been working more in Fort Erie now mm-hmm. and I have been seeing homes and every so often I will search for 40 real estate and whatnot and I do notice that the prices are better and even in some cases you'll find a really good steal yeah. in Fort Erie but once again like he had said by the time I even send it to my girlfriend it's gone yeah like yeah it's that quick yeah which is depressing not that we were ever serious about it but mm-hmm. I think my oh my god that would be amazing 
Ooh, a fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I think another answer to his question from before, one of the biggest hindrances for me not buying a house is I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Right. There was a long time where I thought, screw it, I'll go work on a cruise ship. So I didn't want to... Yeah. Didn't want to tie myself down. Yep, for sure. And then I thought, I don't want to buy a house for one. Mm-hmm. And then eventually meet somebody even though at the time it seemed as though that was not too likely but <laughs> um, but now that i am in a good relationship now you're ready to plant to, some roots right mm-hmm. yeah i think now that happens with everyone think. it takes it takes time you i'm still young ish yeah how old are you 27 that's young ish yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah I think uh, yeah, I bought my first home when I turned uh, well, just before I turned thirty, actually. So yeah. so I'm right on par. To Pretty much, yeah. Do yep. that. You are not late, my friend. I know, and it's all relative, anyway. It's like it was really interesting years <coughs> ago because I was <coughs> when I was Ooh. early to mid twenties. I started seeing some of the people I went to school with buying their first houses, and yeah. at first I thought. I can't even be jealous because I have no idea how the hell they did that. Yeah, yeah. And then 25, 26, more people started. That's when the jealousy kicked in. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Mm. And now I it's there's always just that tiny little bit of jealousy because there was a long time where the self-employed life was yep. good. Everybody yep. else was thinking, must be so cool to do what you do. It's not. Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> Still kind of is. But there's drawbacks. Yeah. And then... It's stressful. Stressful being your own boss, right? So I look like I'm 40. (laughs) So So I had to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to say I'm young. Yeah, I I hear you. Like, uh, I think in my early 20s, I saw a lot of my friends Uh buying houses really early. And... Well, there goes the fan. (laughs) And um, on paper... It uh, it looked like that they were flourishing. They were succeeding yeah. in life. They're that's, doing that's what they should it. be doing, yeah. right? But then, uh, you know, you kind of grow to learn that there's other things going on. Yeah. You know, like, I, I had friends that ended up buying a house, like, 10 years ago after they got married. And, like, I, I was super jealous of them. And then, you know, now as a real estate agent, I kind of do some digging and exploring. And I, lo and behold, I found out that, like, it was, like, their parents well, that bought the house for them. And I'm like... All right, they're just renting from their parents. Yeah. It's not a... Um, I have a... My... My... We'll call her the... The one that got away in high school. She's still a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And she owns a house, mm-hmm. I suppose. But again, same thing. At least she was 100% honest with it. Mm-hmm. I think her name's on the house, but her parents are the ones that are yeah. making the payments. Yeah. So yeah. that's terrific. Like, not what I aspire to do. No, no. You're looking to build equity for yourself, right? Not Mm -hmm. build your parents' portfolio. Yes. So, for sure. Now, my my dad had a friend. I should have taken the chance years ago and bought it, but it was kind of junky. There was a house in Thorold. My dad's boss had bought a house specifically for his daughter and her, like, four friends who went to Brock. Okay. Bought it for four years so they could all live there. Yep. And then... Like, I to sell it. <laughs> My parents said the same thing when I went to Brock University. I'm dealing with clients right now that are doing the right? same thing so for their kid. Yeah. He was like, I'm selling it. Do you want it? And I had just ended a relationship and I was couch surfing. <laughs> and I thought, 
now is probably not the time because I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. But now I kick myself because it was like, a, it was old. It needed work. Yeah. Definitely needed work, but it was a four or five bedroom house in Thorold. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they caught you at that crossroads, right? Yes. You got to make a choice. And, uh, you know, you didn't want to be tied down with anything, so. There's quite a few of the very, some of the largest houses, anyways, I've looked at for cheap in Thorold. One of them I actually didn't even get the chance to look at, but it was a, <laughs> um, a house I stayed in as a student. Hmm. And this house must have been built probably in the 1920s. It's on Ormond Street right near yep. the 7-Eleven. Like, it's right downtown. Yes, gotcha. Um, yeah, six, seven bedrooms. It's huge. Dang. master bedroom and it was probably like 25 by 25 like it was massive yeah yeah and i don't know how much it how much it cost to whatever person owned it but i stayed there in the summer when there was no students around and i paid 325 dollars a month and right. i'm think i tried to do the math like what would it cost to buy this house because <laughs> i if they can afford to have, and nobody else lived there yeah one bedroom rented out of the seven yeah and I did the same thing when I was in school in Welling. I had a house on First Ave. Yeah. And during the summer, I was there. It was a six-bedroom house. It could have been seven, but one room was a storeroom, so I guess they were willing to take a hit there. Yeah, yeah. And for the entire summer, I was paying like 300 like very similar for, and there was nobody else there. Yeah. It was just a house to myself, and they left the damn bedroom doors open, oh. so when I had people over... There were beds there. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. It was a wow. it was a good little get together house. Yeah, nice, nice. Summer. But again, nice. same thing. The math. It wasn't worth having me there. I don't think. <laughs> but that was probably better than nothing. That's at least true. At that point, right? So, but yeah. And I suppose when you're renting to students, you're willing to take the hit on the summer months because you know that people will need it for the eight months of the year when yeah. you come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different type of rent rate, too, right? I mean, like, students, you pay per room, right? So you just try and stock it up as much as you can, the lease for a year anyways, right? But, like, I mean... But that seems like there's such a risk, too. Like, my friend rented a similar house down the street on First Ave, and my same price point, his was a little bit cheaper. Not cheaper than my room. My room was a closet. Mm. But it was a good price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... We must have had good tenants because his roommates destroyed the house, broken windows and stuff like that. He moved out early because yeah. he couldn't deal with it because yeah. he didn't want his stuff to get stolen and stuff yeah. like that. So I think as a student renter, you have to have all your ducks in a row. And yeah, you got you to gotta be prepared for pretty much the worst because you never, you never know like how, unfortunately, how low a student can go, right? This sounds bad. It might sound bad. Be careful how I word this. I think perhaps, based on my experience in dating while I was a student or dating people that were students, mm -hmm. maybe the best rental student would probably be uh, overseas students. Like, Yeah, mo there. most of them are because yeah. they're paying top dollar to be there. And they're serious about it, yeah. right? So, so those no are the ones you want, yeah, or anything like that. You don't want the freshmen that are fresh out of home, fresh out of house, right? Yeah, because then that's why it's like, parents are gone. I'm gonna eat ice cream for dinner and stay up all night, and then lo and behold, you got broken that. windows everywhere. Right? So. <laughs> there's, 
there's definitely some kind of cutoff. Like, you do want to select, hopefully, people that will not trash your place. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I find a little bit that the older, less naive renters seem to expect maybe more from you. Because a lot of young people don't really... They're not going to want to call their landlord about anything or whatever. So a lot of times, it's less of a, an, a hassle for the landlord to do business, essentially. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you might have to fix some holes in some drywall. Yeah. But that's right up my alley. I don't mind doing that. So I think if I had to go somewhere next renting out houses, the student market doesn't sound that bad to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could I could live with that. Yeah, as long as you're willing to take on the risk, yeah. right? And uh, it, the repairs that you're willing to do, that, that helps too, right? So you don't need to contract any of that out, right? Yeah. So. And yeah, just little things like... If the place has, you know, old classic hardwood floors in the sense that I'm not talking about like super nice stuff. I'm talking about like just the hardwood floors that they built all these things with. Leave them. Don't put in carpet. They're going to destroy the carpet or or simple things like that where you can just minimize the amount of damage possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. For sure. There's there's strange habits too of, I'm I'm sure, student houses, but other houses. I, I remember walking around many student houses while I was in university and people will do things like take down smoke alarms and all sorts of like unsafe things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely risks there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen it before where like they take down the smoke alarm and you think it's like for them to smoke inside the house, but it's just because like the battery's dead. Yep. So just like beeping. it just won't stop beeping. So they just take it down instead of calling the landlord or replacing the battery. And people don't think. You nope. Know? You guys need a top up? Sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll have some more. We yes. should... Uh, promote whatever the it's, yeah so it's oast house brewery i don't think they'll get mad at free promotion no, no. like okay no. i think so uh, like, it, why it, would they it's their the rhubarb what's it called uh strawberry rhubarb strawberry actually rhubarb. grandma's strawberry rhubarb see I, th- I think i just bought a tall can of that so yeah, i hadn't, hadn't tried it yet but it's, it's their seasonal deal now i have I'm not going to have any more because as much as I like it, it's still beer. <laughs> yeah, I had some viewings in uh, Niagara on the Lake earlier today and I was driving by. And oh, yeah. It's right on, the, remiss, on so. that country road. And it was That's a right. nice warm day. And yeah. I bet you the thought of a cold. Yeah, big old growler full of strawberry yeah. rhubarb beer. Why not? So do you normally buy beer in growler format? Actually, this is my first one. Okay. I've never bought one in a growler You did it before. for the show. So people... I, yeah, I'm showing off. So. <laughs> there's, there's some people that swear by always consuming beer out of a growler, so I just... Really? I didn't know. No, no. I, I, I dig it. I know some, some definite beer snobs. I hate it. I also poured terribly, so the head on this is insane. <laughs> you got time to talk. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> the... Yeah, no, some beers are bad for that. Guinness is really bad for that. So are you, would you call yourself a beer aficionado? <sighs> I, I'm i going to say no. no. I'm not. <laughs> just because I don't want to be a part of that group of, like, I'm not a connoisseur. I'm no. not an aficionado. I'm not a reviewer. I'm not anything like that. I don't do it in any so social. You're not going to take what Joe Gonzalez does and be a beer reviewer yeah. instead of a burger <laughs> yeah. reviewer? Yeah, exactly. The, the gold medal beer. That's all I started going for. And <laughs> I don't do it in any social sense, but I, I do think it's really fun to try all the different craft beers. Yeah, like, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I enjoy going to whatever store, whatever brewery, and like picking up a couple different cans, trying up a couple different things. Like, because... Like ten years ago, like I drank beer like any early twenty would, right? So, but I would always just pick up the, the cheap stuff and buy yep. Jr. You know, and like a drink two four Jr. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, like, 
I'd rather pick up like six cans of like solid beer and just enjoy those six cans over my weekend. Like, and that's really all I need. Right? I like so. the roulette aspect of it. I'll, I'll pick up cans. I have no idea if they're going to be good or not. Yeah. And sometimes they're terrible. Yeah. You never yeah. know what you're going to get really. Yeah. I've gotten a few that were terrible. Uh, <laughs> none that I want to bury on this podcast today, but, uh, do you got a preference? IPA, lagers, stouts? I like, uh, I like Amber's. Amber, like yeah. the red red beers. Like I see you got a can of Cameron's Amber there. I yep. like that. A lot. I I have, I I'm going. I'm in the process of making the shelves. You actually saw them mm-hmm. earlier, but yeah, they're designated by type. So I have a ton of different Amber beers grouped mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I think the most, uh, eh, a lot of people drink like Rickards Red and stuff as a more mainstream kind of beer, but the Amber Lager is kind of like a step further than that. Yeah, at least some of the the craft ones. Yeah, can be. It, quite interesting I, I don't like the ipas i'm not a big fan of the hoppy bittery kind yeah of when, when they get too sour and too bitter with the hops like it kind of turns me off like i like barking squirrel that one's a good that's one, a good one yeah right but that's probably as hoppy as i'll get if i see anything with like a sour i'm not going for it because i just i know i can't enjoy that glass of beer it just it, it maybe seems, that's just me unless i need to find a new one i think or, a lot of these craft breweries just go nuts with hey there's a shit ton of hops in this and <laughs> that's why we're unique or they'll just um make it a higher alcohol content or something yeah it just pushes it over the top and it's yeah. unnecessary for the most part you guys ever have the um uh great lakes breweries uh octopus wants to fight no i've had lots of the other beers though yeah that one's a pretty strong beer um it is stronger uh, it is pretty hoppy, but I love it because I just I had it first at uh, Hamburger St. Paul, like that hamburger joint in St. Yeah, Catherine's. it's a good place. We went we went there once. S- super great place. Yeah, and uh, they had octopus wants to fight, and just like with those like big ass burgers with that beer, it was just perfect. So now it, every time I go to the beer store, one of the first things I grab is that can. So that's my go to, and then I'll go and supply some other ones. So I always keep that one in the back. So then when I try a crappy one. Cleanse my palate and just something to wash it suck down. back the octopus, right? So <laughs> I'll have to try that one. Mm-hmm. Great Lakes is pretty good. I can't get behind any of them. No matter what I try, I can't. I don't know why. I don't really know how. What got me into drinking beer in the first place is it is for me very refreshing if I'm cutting the lawn or doing some kind of outdoor activity. It's a necessity. I, yeah. I didn't even start regularly drinking beer until I was probably about 20, 21 years old. Yeah. Maybe, maybe older than that even, yeah. Because it wasn't until quite recently that I, I started buying it regularly. Like uh-huh. Cider? Uh-huh. I'll take cider. Yeah, some, nice. some good cider. But... And there's some good sort of fruity flavored beers yeah. too on, on that side. And of this is like... It's on the fruit side. It's pretty side, close. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty fruity, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Which is why I'm finishing it. <laughs> um, but no, for me... I don't know, Would you say cold. cider's your go-to for the weekend? If you were having a, a weekend whiskey. out? Or can't he drinks a lot of summer, yeah? Summersby. Summersby, if it's got to be a cider or in a can, but a lot of times it's just whiskey and Coke, nice. straight whiskey, rum. For me, I find I drink beer in the summer, and I drink whiskey in the winter. I always go for whiskey in the winter. So are, are you... Whiskey year-round. <laughs> so do you have specific preferences with whiskey, Are you too? a whiskey connoisseur? Uh, oh, <laughs> careful, guys. I'm not, I'm not a connoisseur of much of anything there. So, But yeah... <laughs> I, we do. I, I do try a bunch of different whiskeys. I think I always just end up going for Forty Creek. Yep, Forty that good. is that is my go-to yeah. for a generic one. And then um, I'll always do do Crown Royal. I'll always try some of their flavored ones, the, not all of them. You've had the Northern Harvest. I have had the Northern Harvest. That is my favorite thing that Crown Royal makes. Yep, that is that is a 
rye that tastes so much better than what you would think the price point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. offers. Like I for sure, I've ha I have a couple of like the heritage and, and special bottles from Forty Creek, and I, I have a couple things to compare to it. I would say that's probably the best tasting rye yeah, I could, sure. I could think of. Really, yeah, that would be my go-to as well as the, the Northern Harvest. You ever, um, this past Christmas they had uh, a salted caramel. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, it was really good. Hmm. Really good. I hope they bring it back next winter because it was a uh, it was a star. So I can't remember what I was going to say. I was it a whiskey? Was it? A <laughs> well, it was. It was whiskey. Whiskey. Rose. So oh, um, best whiskey. I there's two good whiskey stories. One one of my neighbors for his. 65th birthday was given a bottle of of 65 year old crown royal mm. that was nice. that was amazing yeah um and then i have a 35 no 1985 so math is important 1985 no long a very very well aged bottle of canadian whiskey that hasn't been opened Oh, really? but the the most expensive drink I have ever purchased and it will never be beat so I was at a bar in or at a bar in a hotel in Italy nice I was working there so we had a bunch of per diems that we had to spend otherwise we had to give it back yep yeah so we sat at the bar and we ordered I can't remember what it was but it was a just a simple whiskey glass full of something yeah and it came to about a hundred euros and it was like for the glass like yeah oh damn and it Ooh. was like drinking air like it was so, it was weird <laughs> it was so light and yeah you didn't you wouldn't even know it was out it was amazing if yeah. i would not have spent my own money on it yep yeah. yep yeah. but they were very loose with their per diems so. wow and they allowed whiskey on it, eh? Apparently. Lucky yeah. opportunity. I was working for a church, so of course they did. The legal drinking yeah. age in Italy is probably down there, too, so. So, it was it was good, but that's that's the problem. I got spoiled with that, and I got spoiled with Italian wine. I get used to a wine there, and I come back, you and it's 80 bucks yeah. in the LCBO. I'm like, uh, <laughs> never mind. I'd like to go somewhere where you can get cheap cognac, because if you can get a, a nice cognac, that, mm -hmm. that's usually what I find is priced the highest at the LCBO yeah. here in Ontario. Yeah, for sure. I'm not buying a two hundred something dollar bottle of whatever. Yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, a couple friends and I every year for Christmas will uh, we'll get together one Saturday night as like our Christmas party, right? And uh, they've actually been doing it for years. I'm actually a new entry into it, like second year in. So, but You're they a do. Uh, yeah, I'm newbie for them. So like they do uh, a whiskmas. So everyone brings an expensive bottle of whiskey to the party, and we all share it. So like you got a table of. You know, 10 people at the party, 10 balls of whiskey, and we all just try these, like, scotches and whiskeys and, and whatnot, and just kind of explore a little bit, right? So That's cool. Yeah. And then we just sit around and just play video games and board games all night and get wasted on whiskeys. So. That sounds like my type of night. Yeah. Out of all the Christmas parties I do all year, I go, you know, my wife's, Remax, what have you, Whiskmas is the one I always Whiskmas. look forward to. It's a good name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you a big board game aficionado? Yes. Okay. I'll say I am a big board game aficionado. He's your guy because he works at a place that has lots of board games. Okay. Really? Where is that? Okay. Yes and no. I work I'm throwing occasionally him under the bus. at yeah. a place. Toys R Us. No. 
That would I'm be just horrible. Kidding. <laughs> um, I, I've worked for them and I work with him now, uh, Mugs and Meeples in St. Catherine. Nice, yeah. So in we, Western Hill, right? Yeah. Yep. So we do their their promo stuff. So we've designed their menu and we shot commercials for them. And awesome. I mean, I'm a guy with a smart serve, so when the owner needs help, I can also jump in because yeah. I've worked with food and his food's simple to work with. That's so. great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I've been there once. I've been there uh, a year ago with actually the same friends that do Whiskmas, the forum. Okay. Like a group, smaller group of us went to Mugs and Meeples because like we were used to playing, like we always play Settlers of Catan. Okay. We always yeah. play Ticket get, to Ride. Uh, we I can always get behind play the first one. Yeah, and we always play Carcassonne. <laughs> Those are like our three okay, games that we're yeah. like always playing to death. So we were like, we gotta figure out something else. So like, we went to Mugs and Meeples, you know, checked out some reviews, was able to kind of like find yeah. some new board games to play, picked up some new favorites. So yeah, it was a good time. So. so I'm not your guy because I'm not actually a big board game. Person. You're surrounded by people I'm playing su- them. I'm surrounded by people who play them. And I know of them, and I do enjoy them, but that wasn't true. I'm not a board. I'm a Monopoly person. Oh, I love Monopoly. Oh, See, no. not too many people <laughs> do. I know they do. You two they can don't. keep talking. They I'll don't. go somewhere. <laughs> I just, I, I, I find the people it. that don't like Monopoly don't like it because they aren't playing it right. Right. It's never... the longevity of the game that gets me. I don't. You're not playing it right if I it's don't... long. It shouldn't be long. Well, it then should nobody's... be about an hour. Nobody's playing it right then. That's around me because I don't know. Yeah, I, about an hour in, I give up and say, "Everybody, here, I'm gonna make bad decisions. You take my money." Yeah, I it's don't care anymore. It's because people end up bastardizing the house rules to the point where, like, you're influxing the game with so much cash that you just kind of you 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 prolong the inevitable, right? You're not supposed to have so much cash in the game, right? Free parking should just be a free space. You should be happy to have it, like, no money on it, right? You shouldn't be injecting that much money because. And as long as everyone's playing aggressively and just trading constantly, like in an hour, you're done. That's why some of the some of the newer versions of Monopoly have sped it along. I guess maybe it's it's people with shorter attention spans, but yep. they do. Yep. They do have speed plays. And yeah, there is. I mean, there's a bit of a resurgence as far as the board game industry, which is crazy to say. But a lot like, of okay. I guess I do know a few things because yes. There's there's a lot of indie games yep. that, are, that have just popped up, and I was working at Mugs and Meeples one night, and I was sitting, or I was serving, and the people sitting were looking around at the games, and somebody was like, "Hey, they have your game!" Like, and one of the people that developed a board game was in there. That's awesome. It was like I, it didn't sell well. I didn't expect anybody <laughs> to have it, so just kind of interesting so yes there's people out there yeah but board games are not easy to make his girlfriend when him and her had food food poisoning in cuba she said Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make a board game for the flight home yeah oh we destroyed that board there's a lot of bugs there was so many to work out it was a farming game and i think she said okay so you can buy chickens and you know, you kill them and sell them and whatnot, but they also make eggs and they make so many eggs. And we found out that if you just buy chickens and just let them be, <laughs> you make so much more money from their eggs. I can't remember how it yeah. happened, but yeah. it just screwed up the economy of the game. Yeah. Once the yeah. economy is shot, yeah. like in real life, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Inflation. There was there was one game we played at Mugs and Meeples that I, I read that was highly reviewed and then we went to play it. It was, uh, it was uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, okay. Do you remember that I game? played that. Yeah. 
So essentially, it's like a game where like you're you're collecting like items from a marketplace, and some of them are legal and some are illegal, yep. and you put them in a pouch. There's and like, like there's bread, there's apples, apples. and chickens, and like then there's contraband stuff there's like cheese or something. Yeah, yeah, cheese is like contraband and stuff, <laughs> and you put them in a pouch, and you're supposed to like bluff your way out past like the sheriff. Yeah. And we played it once, and the one guy, my one friend, won, but he won because he just never lied, right? <laughs> he never lied about what was in the pouch. There's so like different... by, by constantly telling the truth, you yeah. can beat, you win the game. There's there's different tactics to it for sure. I've played it at least close to a dozen times. Yeah, you you can take totally different approaches to it. Yeah. And if you do have a reputation for telling the truth, and then you just flip one round, you can you can get away with a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. We played the one round. We were done. <laughs> I think my favorite board games, for whatever reason, it stuck with me is Code Names. You ever play that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Code Names is good too. I, I love games where you're reading people and you're trying to communicate things and obscure. Like you get a single word to to describe a set of to words match that are on the table. Three or four different nouns, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to get as many as you can, and then you know, like you flip, or you get to take those cards. Yeah. And it's sort of like a, a battleship situation where you can't get them to say the wrong word or else, you know, somebody else gets a point or you end the game because yeah. there's a death card. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, Codenames is a good one. It's a good party one. And I enjoy playing that one with people that might not be too comfortable in getting into the more nerdier games, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. So. There's a weird division where if it takes me, I don't know, an hour to learn the game as I'm playing it, I lose interest. And this is yeah. somebody Some that's... Some games are complicated I, yeah. to learn. They've gotten complicated. quite a bit into, like, several Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and not been as bored as I am with some <laughs> board games. It's it's a definitely a thing that stops me from playing some of them. Yeah. Watching some of the people at Mugs and Meeples, though, and I'm not bad-mouthing them at all, because they're dedicated. and mm-hmm. I guess uh, it's it's a hobby right like this from the outside looking in some people might think it's crazy that we spend 90 minutes a week talking to a random person yep i've enjoyed quite a bit and then we spend another 90 minutes to two hours editing the damn thing yeah yeah i know there's groups of people that that go to mugs and meeples and will play dungeons and dragons for seven hours at a time but they get they're hardcore but they get nowhere in that seven hours because they're they I just feel bad for the dungeon masters because they make a full plan and then in a in a just a stupid move on somebody it can ruin the entire just steamroll the whole thing yeah. and then yeah. just nagging about minutia the whole time yeah. right yeah and that's that, what happens and then they talk about they talk about the minutia to me and I'm like I don't I, I don't <laughs> this is your there's, table <laughs> there's two types of situations that ruin a game one people that over just talk about everything want to explain every detail of their character <laughs> want to tell you everything yeah. that they possibly can about the situation. And those that play the game so inebriated that you can't make sense of it, whether it's just smoking a ton of weed or yeah. drinking way too yeah. much, yeah. it definitely seems to be something that plagues Dungeons and Dragons. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we, uh, we've been playing campaigns pretty steadily for a few years. We don't play out in public. We play in my friend's house. We don't go in my house <laughs> because we don't want to deal with that shit. But, um, but we'll it's gotten to the point where like we now only do like four or five hour sessions because like after the fourth or fifth hour half of the half of the players are like winded and you know you kind of lose momentum and the other half is just like that everybody they wants smoke to... so much weed that's like you can't even keep them focused nope <laughs> so see i i can't handle the late at night thing too so even for me i'd be willing to say three hours cap that yeah. i could play a three hour game and i'll be interested for all I'll of be it invested the whole time yeah. you push yeah. it past that yeah 
It's yeah. a gamble, maybe. Yeah. Depends. Yeah, we, we started doing mornings. So we do 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's the best. I love right? on Sundays. I have my breakfast, bring my coffee, you know, coffee and energy drinks while we're going. Why no one's I? really drinking. you got a couple people smoking weed. But other than that, come 2 o'clock, I'm gone. So it was great. That is the way to do it, in my yeah. opinion. And having... It seems to vary a lot by... Who's your dungeon master? I've seen a lot of bad yeah, examples. You, you gotta get you gotta get a DM that's solid and you can work with, and then like party members that are at least interested. You know, like you get the occasional folks that like want to come in, like think like, you guys are having so much fun. Let me come in and take a look and see what it is. It's and a lot to get, get invested bored. into. That's why yeah. I feel bad because I make fun of the people that screw up the DM's campaign. But the only time I ever actively played. I just distinctly remember we made it to a town and everybody else went to bed because the quest or whatever started the next morning. I didn't. I went to the bar. Yeah. And I guess Dungeon Master had a hand in it anyways because I got drunk, passed out, and I missed the mission. Yeah. And the entirety of the rest of the game, I just talked to locals and got into local mischief. <laughs> so I enjoyed it because I kind of got to do my own thing. Do your thing. own thing, yeah. But I know that wasn't what was planned. Yeah. Things go off the rails. In uh, in our early stages, now that I know better, I know I wouldn't do this, but in our early stages, I, I went into one session that we were going to have, knowing in my mind that I was going to derail the thing. It was like, <laughs> well, I'm just going to be like, we're just, whatever is put in front of us, we're not interested. Like, my character's just not going to be interested in it. <laughs> so, we do, that do the old... fun sometimes. Yeah, so we did... So, the whole session was this. So, we did the whole tavern thing, you know? You got this guy over here offering this quest, uh, quest yeah. A, B, and C... And my character is like, nope, <laughs> we're not doing any of this. I just want to get away. I want a vacation. So we go to a different town and go to a different uh, hotel completely. And then like, just like romp it up in like a, I think it was like some sort of like elfish whorehouse. <laughs> Lo and behold, one of our campaign members uh, ended up sleeping with one of the elves and got like an elfish STD. So then, like, Perfect. our campaign then turned into we have to go to this witch's forest and find that's, a specific mushroom to cure his S, her STDs. That's awesome. Otherwise, she's dead. See, that yeah. sounds like somebody was scrambling at the last minute to yeah. come up with a but thread of some kind. The, yeah, the downside was that that was a campaign that one of the players, it was, like, their first time. No. Oh. So I, that's why I feel bad because she hasn't played since. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> I did. I ruined the game for someone. I do feel bad about it. Keeps me up at night. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's, I don't know, that's good. And the way you describe it, like, it's hilarious just to think that you can, because the game is so open-ended, you can just break it. And yeah. Say, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm not doing a quest. Yep. Going nope. on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because after the last happen. session, we almost died or whatever. So I was like, no, not this time. What? Just to uh, relax. What? What do you use for models and stuff? Because I know a lot of people are 3D printing a lot of things these days. Uh, I think we had, at to start, it was, like, just the figurines that came with, like, the Lord of the Rings Monopoly. Okay. So, like, one of us so. was Aragorn, the other one was Frodo, whatever, right? But now, like, we just started a new campaign a few weeks ago with new characters. So, we went to um, uh, Hero Forge. It's, like, a website where you can, like... I think I've heard of it, actually. Yeah, you reason. can go on it, and, like, it's pretty much like The Sims. Mm -hmm. Create your character, and, like, set the pose, set the whatever, like, whatever they're holding, what yada yada. And then once you're done and happy with it, you can order it. And then you can either get it done in, like, plastic or pewter or whatever, right? So... 
Yeah, the technology is there for a lot of people who have little startup businesses where they create things like that if they're yeah intuitive enough to to try it out. Yeah, I've seen some stuff online where like people get really intense with the scenery and like mm-hmm. build these big elaborate sets, gigantic like, boxes with you know the cardboard or something that reveals yeah. something amazing underneath. Yeah. 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 I've seen like the 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 tables that they build too with like the screen in it, and like you have like the computer hooked up to it, so you can just like bring up maps as they come. Doing along. stuff digitally sounds like it'd be the way that I would do it if I had to. Mm-hmm. Just I I don't know if it's any easier, but it, for some reason it seems like it is. It seems like it would be easier. You would have to preload all your maps essentially, but like and get the thing built because like they don't just sell those. Way no. back when, custom table. Yeah, your girlfriend built a Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Minecraft campaign, so the whole world. Oh, is done. and each block is like a specific yeah. area. And they spent a long time building it, and a lot of the stuff actually worked. Like there was dungeons where there were levers and whatnot that had to be pulled, and if you pulled the wrong one, you would die. So oh, wow. that I did play because that at least I can see what I'm doing. I don't have to vision because I'm not into into fantasy yeah so to speak so yeah. at least i could physically see and i knew the minecraft mechanics and whatnot we still broke it but it was fun <laughs> nice that's the problem yeah with having pure imagination the limits are yeah. much much higher yeah well, i think maybe that's like the video game mentality too right like if you play mario 64 you're gonna climb up the wall to the point where like it's like the invisible wall and you just hit it. You're just looking to like yeah. see how far you can pull it until it pulls you back, right? So Those limitations seem to be going away. Are you much of a video game player? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. I, don't, um, I don't play a lot of like, I don't do Xbox. I don't do no. PlayStation or anything. I'm a Nintendo guy. Okay. So like... So you got I'll, a Switch then? Yeah, I got okay, a Switch. Perfect. So I played like Breath of the Wild. Yep. Um, I'll be honest. I like, I just picked up Skyrim. I know I'm like super late to that. Party. Doesn't matter. They put it out on every single platform and console. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so. new to me. That's so, perfect. That's yeah, it. you're you're one of the few that gets to experience it fresh. Which yeah, is yeah, a great so opportunity. I, I played once, uh, and uh, I, I can't wait to pick it up again. I'm gonna pick it up soon once uh, you know business dies down. I usually end up like hoarding all my video games for the winter time. So then when business dies down, it's like all right. I'm, Time for hibernation. Let's play some games. I'm a one-a-year video game kind of person. I play whatever I get on the PC, but mm. last year, Grand Theft Auto V. This year, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But I'll, um, I'll default to Skyrim or Minecraft or something. I was looking at uh, the Amazon uh, Prime Day. Oh, yeah. That today. Was, that's today. Uh, Civ Six on uh, the Switch was 50% off, so not I picked bad. that up. So. See, I'm, uh, I'm all over when it comes to games. Again, not I have played Skyrim, but... Uh, I'm a Grand Theft Auto and Far Cry type person. Nice, yeah, that's good. But I'm also I love The Sims. Oh, I've nice. always loved The Sims, <laughs> and I'm also a big uh, simulator type person. So Sim City and whatnot. And yeah, I love yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon. And oh, whatnot. nice. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I used to love those games. I've played Sim City on uh, Super Nintendo yeah. for hours. So would leave it leave it on overnight, so you accumulate all the taxes and then come back and just sprawl, yep. right? Yep. Done that. That's I. I don't know why I find it enjoyable, mm-hmm. and obviously lots of people do. So yeah, I can't say I don't. I mean, it's like it. the digital equivalent of just playing with Lego. Yeah, right. So, pretty much. That's Minecraft exactly. Too. If I had to pick a simulator game, for some reason I don't know why there isn't a good like alternative, but PlayStation's got it set with the Gran Turismo series. I love those racing games. Oh yeah. I don't seem to like anything anybody else puts out though. So hopefully really? they make something good for PC or. 
the Switch. Because I think I'm going to get a Switch now that they got that uh, the light version coming out. The one that's just, out the TV. Just, that's yeah. smart. Cause well, I would never plug it into the TV exactly. anyways. Because a lot I, of people that I've talked to have said... I played it on the TV when I got it, and then I switched, and I've, I've stayed handheld ever since. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, the majority of Nintendo's market is the handheld, right? Yeah. Like, they pretty much built their business from, like, the Game Boy up. Like, yeah. that's where they make their money, right? So I'm still catching up on all the 3DS titles that I missed because I didn't... I'm, I've had them and sold them, and I, I got one now, so I'm kind of... Me, I've never really gotten in the handheld, you know? Yeah. Like, so, like, the Switch, I played on the TV because I like the idea of just sitting on the couch and doing, like, oh, hot seat two-player or whatever. Like, I, I grew up with, like, with three with three brothers, right? So, and, like, a stepbrother and step so we had lots of kids in the house. So, like, we're used to Nintendo 64, four-player yeah. Mario Kart, and we're all just, like... Struggling with the controllers, right? So that's, that's it is I a struggle from. with the N sixty four a little bit. I, I Especially know. nowadays, if you have one from twenty years yeah, ago, I don't know how. Swapping over. I have no idea how I did it as a kid. Going back to that controller, it's like this is the most it's foreign rough. object yeah, ever. Yeah. I was playing N sixty four a few weeks ago, and we played Goldeneye. Yeah. Oh man, I used to kick everybody's I love butt. Love Goldeneye, game. and I used to play it all the time, and. I don't know if it's a controller. It's weird because I know it's still a good game. They didn't yeah. pin down the first person shooter. But at all. It's I can't enjoy it as much. And another part of it is is I think we're playing it on a giant TV. And Ooh. the bigger the TV gets, the crappier yeah. it looks. Yeah. You need so like a like a 20, a 20 it, it, dates small, it, it dates it immediately yeah. if you have a smart TV a or small, something. Small like yeah. 20 26-inch CRT TV. Yeah, yeah you got to find a tuber. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then that'll be good. But yeah, the controls, it took a while to get back into it. And then I'm thinking, the sad thing is, is when they re-released GoldenEye for Xbox and PlayStation and stuff like that, and it was GoldenEye, re- or GoldenEye Reloaded or Remastered, yes. yeah. like, I've had more fun in the multiplayer of that because I've just played it more frequently recently, I suppose, than yeah. the N64 yeah. one. But yeah. it's, That's fair. I look... It's tough. They're, they're, they're tough to go back to. Like, glasses. Yeah. I always try to go back to them. Like we got a pretty decent '64 collection at my place. Like my wife actually kept a lot of her games, and my mom, I think, sold all of ours in her yard sale. Aww. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think uh, last week we tried to go back to uh, Banjo Kazooie on Nintendo <laughs> '64, and uh, it's charming. But man, is it rough. It's it's rough to play, especially like again, like you said, like on a bigger like smart screen TV, like you're just looking at mush, yeah, mush on the screen. The 3DS was good because it was a, a place where a couple games got little remasters, like The Legend of Zelda. They did the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask yep. again, and it really helped the way that the game looks for anyway. sure. And you can it's palpable, so you can play it right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just beat through both of those not too long ago and i think it was a worthwhile experience if you well, don't want to go back i think remastering is the way it. to go re-releasing like if they fully remastered goldeneye in a way that brought it further. it wouldn't work anymore because the maps are too small and too easy i think if you had good controls maybe like not as have. a full release but maybe it's just a digital download because they what they did with the the re-release or the modern update like even the campaign which i remember enjoying the the limited campaign on the N64, a lot of the GoldenEye campaign now was just rail shooting. So you're on a moving vehicle and you're just shooting yep. bad guys. So yep. there was a lot of a lot of stuff that they had changed. But when I see like the Zelda plus, I recently played the remastered version of Crash Bandicoot and stuff like that. Nice, yeah. 
I'm like, this is exactly what you promised. This yep. is a 4K version of what I played when I was yep. a kid. Yep. It runs exactly the same, basically, yep. and that's the way they should do it. Yeah, for sure. Especially with Nintendo and like that yeah. extensive back catalog, right? So, if they're gonna keep re-releasing the game, same game every year, and just new versions, you might as well just re-release the ones that you're trying to copy anyway. So yeah, makes yeah. enough sense. I, that's the one thing that Nintendo doesn't really drive too hard is the new intellectual property route. I mean, every once in a while. Yeah, they they have they've had a hard time developing like new characters, new platforms, right? And I think. I've always said, like, when... I think it was the Wii or the Wii U, like, when Mario Galaxy came out. Huh. Like, the Mario Galaxy, like, the way that that was played, it shouldn't have been a Mario game. Like, it had a whole different dynamic to that game, so it, like, should have been, like, a different entity, like, a different character developed, right? So, but, like, they just keep going back to the same well. It's, like, the same four or five yeah. characters that they keep leaning on. Because they know, they know, even if they do a scrappy job with the programming and whatnot... Mm -hmm. If it's got Mario on it, it'll do well. Like, and there was a Mario and Sonic at the Olympics game for the Wii or yeah, GameCube yeah, way back when. Weird. And it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. But it did really well. Yeah, yeah. Because why? Because Mario was on the cover. And Sonic, yeah. too. And so yeah. Para. It's, yeah, it's tricky because the Mario Galaxy, I mean, take Mario out, put in some other character, leave everything the same. You've now spent a ton of money on a game that you might not even recover mm. because people are going to not have that nostalgia yeah, well, I mean, Nintendo's pretty good at taking chances with stuff, right? I mean, like, they don't seem to shy away from things. Like, they came up with that Labo stuff, like, a year or two and ago, people right? people thought that was crazy. Yeah. Like, why are we going to spend this money on cardboard? On cardboard. And it did so yep. well yep. that they had their second release of new stuff yep. recently, too. Yep. So yeah, so sometimes it pays off for them, right? So, But, I mean, like, they, they, they seem to be more interested in the the attachments to things right like they're yeah. more interested in the handheld and the different types of attachments and like the gimmicks behind like their gaming which it gets maybe gimmicky. It, it stalled them from being able to get these cross-platform games so you get these games are like always on xbox or always on playstation but like never on the wii and when they were they were horrible yeah because like they just didn't translate properly right so yeah they even a simple game like Rock Band, they crippled so hard when it was brought to the Wii. Yeah, much later than it was on the other consoles too. I don't. Know, I. It's a shame that Nintendo did that. Although yeah. I think the hardware of the Switch is more in line with what PlayStation and Xbox. For sure. Are yeah, yeah. They they caught up a lot. Like the Wii U was a huge misstep, but like with and the they Switch, they kind of just silently admitted that it was yeah. with their with their Switch release. Yeah. But um... that controller's clunky. The Wii U? Yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a rough one. It's a rough one to, to have, so... <laughs> I, I skipped that console, luckily. Although, I do miss the fact that... I, I think there was a Wind Waker remaster and a yeah, couple other HD things... Yeah, ones on that. ...that were on that. They were not on the Switch, which is a, a bit of a downside. I'd love to buy that on the Switch if yeah. it was available. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <sighs> Although, I'm, I'll be with it just a pc i think for a little while longer at least until the, the light version comes i never out. never really got into pc gaming it was uh, the first thing i had i was a kid uh I, and we got windows 95 when yeah. we got my family got their first computer and there was a couple installed games and eventually <laughs> i i yeah. got a few more yeah so yeah. i played but again my stuff i remember windows xp running the sims 2 and that's like the extent of my gaming and now they get sneaky with how they release things. Like, there was a Spider-Man game that released last year 
only for the Sony PlayStation. So if I really want to play it, I have to buy a PlayStation. Oh. oh my God, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. But Sony, because of how they own their rights with Spider-Man, they're like, we're not going to release it on the Xbox. It is yep. a totally exclusive release. Yeah. And they must have ran their numbers because they must have thought there's a small there's a small but big enough percentage of people that will buy a PlayStation just to play this game. Yeah. Versus releasing it on Xbox as well. Yeah. But. It's probably just like a move to try and get a little slice of that pie with I that know. intellectual property of Spider-Man, right? So yeah. it's like, just let us have this. Let us have but it looks so video cool. game. We've given up so much already. So, um, But then also, there's stuff that's releasing on PC that will never release on consoles. So nope. I haven't had a, a, a computer that wasn't a... At Mac for a long time, hmm. but I think probably within the next year I'm gonna have to because I'm missing out on games that I want to play <laughs> that I just can't. The world's going by. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, for me, like I, I think I think I played this The Sims and like Civ three on a computer ages ago, and then the last PC game I got was uh, Diablo three. Oh yeah. When it first came out. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was good the first time you play it. And then, I don't uh, know. <laughs> There seems to have been some kind of revival because, like, at least two years later, I had a bunch of coworkers are like, "Ah, oh, we're all playing Diablo. It's on the PlayStation, whatever." <laughs> and it was this—it was this entirely different sounding game. They're like, "There's this and there's that." I'm like, "That wasn't one in it when I played yeah, it. Yeah. I have no idea what that's all about." Yeah, yeah. Blizzard's good at making pretty unique games, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a fun time playing it, but then like. There was no replay value, at least at the time that I started playing it, you know? So, you played the online, it was, I found it, like, super glitchy. Maybe it was just my internet or my computer or something, but, like, I just didn't find the appeal in it. So, it's uh, sitting on my PC up in my spare bedroom right now doing nothing, so. I thought the auction house was kind of funny. That didn't last too long, but people were, like, making money selling in-game items. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. But that's that's also the other thing. There's so much out there, and the, there's a very difficult balance being a working adult, because mm-hmm. you could spend a lifetime just watching Netflix, even not yeah. even including the the games and the yeah, experiences. Too many things to consume. So you have to choose carefully, I think. Because I mean, Grand Theft Auto, you could easily get how many hours out of the campaign alone? Like how? I don't know. Probably like. 30 yeah so 30 hours there plus all the side stuff i mean that's a long time and there's dozens of games like that that could be fun to play it uh it gets overwhelming after a while considering that there's just so much available to you to spend your time teenagers have it good and they don't realize how good they have it (laughs) yeah that how easy it is for them to access anything they wanted what kind of working hours do you typically have as a real estate agent uh it, it totally fluctuates it's yeah, like it's, i would think that it's a bit more fluid. it's honestly day by day yeah. like i woke up this morning and i really only had two obligations and this was one of them but then lo and behold like <laughs> yeah but then lo and behold like it got filled up like i drove to Niagara on the lake this morning dropped off an os and got another viewing and then came right here so real estate agents are nice because they never really say no and our times that we record this are or a lot of times in the evening, so they'll never yeah. say it's no to very, evenings. It's very it's... plastic. I, I was lucky if... I mean, I work pretty typically from 7 in the morning until 5.30, even 6 sometimes. So yeah. then 
if I ask a real estate agent, hey, can we see this house? But like at seven or seven thirty, that I never got to know pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's other people that will come to us and be like, nah, I'm not doing it on weekends, and I don't do anything after six. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Yeah. You. You. Like we're offering you a free. Like at the end of the day, you're coming and talking for ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah. There's. Yeah. There's. A, it, it's strange to get yeah. involved in like other professions or trades even because like sometimes you want to get uh, like a roofer or like an electrician on the line and they're like you call their voicemail and like it just they don't reply to the voicemail until like the next monday like it's normal and it just seems odd right so but yeah with real estate agent you just got to be fluid you know you wake up and you really don't know where the day's going to take you, you just got to be open to it right so it, it takes a certain type of person. It, it would definitely appeal to a certain type of person. Yeah. I, I like the randomness thrown into it. I'm definitely the go-to guy if, you know, the boss is like, hey, we need so-and-so supply thing from this place. Who wants to go drive and get it? Yeah. And it's, it pretty much doesn't even ask anymore. It just says, Eric, go. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I love the variance in the day. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what mostly appealed to me at the start is, like, the dynamic of it all. Because, like, not every day is the same. Because I used to work in... Uh, in call centers for like okay. 10 years beforehand. Did you work any of the ones in the region? Yes. Cytel? Cytel. Okay. Yeah, Cytel was definitely one of them. So and I did everything at Cytel. I worked there for five years. So like I did, I was on the phones doing everything from customer service to tech support and collections. I was like a coach. I was back office. I did everything, right? So, hmm. and um, it did help me learn a lot as far as like communication style and talking to people and being a customer like service, with the any team. type of customer service job helps a it's lot. It's an interesting yeah. environment. I worked there for one month to do the training, yep. and then I went on a vacation to Cuba with the money, and I left. <sighs> You're it, one of those. It was great. You're one of those. I had to do it at least once in my life. <laughs> I never really had a, too much of a long-term job before that, too, because I was in university at the time, and yep. I could do that. It somehow worked with my schedule. Yeah, It was great. I yeah. no complaints about it. I would never want to. Were you to one work of those there. folks that cycled through all the different call centers? No, I've only worked there. Okay. I got almost 100% on every single exam. I feel like I was probably smarter than almost everybody except for one person in the room. Yeah. yeah. It was it was not a great experience so far as faith in humanity goes, but Yeah, well, you get into the entry level. I mean, especially if they're ramping up a campaign, they just need asses in the seats, right? So a lot of the trainers are really, really snooty, and yeah, they they they're up on a high horse. Yeah, it's a person to person (laughs) basis, but I know where you're coming from. So yeah, I I know lots of people who work in the call center environment, and the story's the same pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I worked there five years, and I mean, there was a reason I left. But overall, like, I was very happy with my time there like i really have good not too much to complain about i'm too much of a rough person i guess just because i'm at my job i can say anything that i want that would constitute pretty much as harassment anywhere else <laughs> but it's totally normal on a construction site yeah you don't yeah. got to be so worried about censoring yourself it's uh, yeah it, it was it was interesting to get used to that because i'm used to call centers where there's like microphones and cameras everywhere yeah. to real estate where you can be honest you could be you're probably just being totally honest yeah. you know dropping the f-bomb no problem I've, at the office is not a big deal i've had real estate agents have very open conversations yep. i love the the ability that people have to do that i mean yep. of course it's ability it's something on your part to feel out what a, a yes. client is is all about yeah but, yeah but i'm sure that's not too hard once you have the people skills yeah yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to drop the F on front of your grandparents. No, nope. showing them a house. No, right? not so the, not going to make that out. sale. No, no. <laughs> well, see you later. Screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
do you find you make a lot of um, interesting networking connections just because you see a yeah. lot of people? I mean, like, you guys are a perfect example, right? <laughs> like, I never would have met you guys um, um, without uh, being for, for this agent. and doing what I'm doing, right? So, yeah, That's I make cool. a lot of great networks. It should also be noted that we, I mean, I own it and he helps run a full photography and videography company. So, oh, okay. Just shameless promotion just throwing right that out there, there? you yeah. got a business card on you yeah yeah Mo okay. the honest <laughs> truth is that we're too expensive for most real estate agents so oh I, really i don't know at well, least that's what i think that's not what they've told us yeah well i think the the majority of agents probably look at quantity over quality as far as photos yeah. and videos go they want like a quick turnaround and a good price yeah that's usually and, what you end up getting and so. usually in that case they end up walking through the house with their cell phone and you know what the photos are eh. Maybe the, maybe the house happens. sells or maybe it doesn't. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. To, today. Yeah, it happens. I mean, you know, like you'll... There are certain agents out there, I won't name names, <laughs> but there are definitely certain agents out there that like will have their listings and they get tons of listings so you see them mm -hmm. and they'll have one photo and it's at the outside of the house and you can tell that they didn't even get out of their car. Nope. It was like drove by, took the picture and left. Like For the me, view okay. mirror is like that in, kills my chances of looking at most I houses. Yeah, the photos aren't good. A a uh, sell sheet for a real estate company. Mm -hmm. I don't mention the name mm -hmm. uh, or anything like that. But this house was a multi-million dollar house, hmm. and the sell sheet was designed to have a certain number of photos, and we had agreed upon that number of photos. And then they got mad because their multi-million dollar house. It's under construction on the inside, so they didn't have enough photos for oh. the sell sheet. Uh huh. I'm like, but the, the, the number of photos is what we agreed on. Yeah. And I like the property was beautiful. I don't understand why whoever your photographer was didn't do more with the property because it was waterfront and yeah. it was really nice. But yeah, they, yeah. There was a lot of back and forth, and they ended up sending their photographer out to get more sunset photos. So it's a beautiful sell sheet now. But, yeah, yeah. But. Wow. Yeah, even preparation, like, I wouldn't really be interested. If I saw a sell sheet for a house that didn't have any photos of the inside, I'd, I'd inquire and obviously find out that it's under that's construction. Always, that's always the burning question is, like, why the hell the, yeah. are there no photos of the inside? What am I getting myself into? And the agents don't realize that they're just causing more trouble for themselves. But I, they're I just going to be fielding questions being like, what type of shithole am I going to be dealing but with? But I guess right at a two and a half so. million dollar house, there has to be some positive qualities yeah i would think so think you would hope so but then again anyone can list anything for any price so that's you true. never really know so so far as the photos go it's it's a mixed bag too because a lot of companies or a lot of real estate agents will get in some professional photographer and then it's just the industry trend of you've probably seen the really blown out hdr photos yeah why is that a trend still i don't get it i see that and i want to throw up i don't want to buy the house <laughs> <laughs> There's a um, lot of weird things in the industry. I think that, among other things, unfortunately, like the industry is behind, really behind. Because, again, like I don't want to bury other agents, but like don't mention names. Tenure, tenure is a good thing, but sometimes you got to get with the times, and like that's not the way advertising is done anymore. You know, like I'll I'll talk about a specific agent. I won't name their name, but I know she won't watch this because she doesn't do social media, so she won't even see this. Perfect. But uh, <laughs> did an open house on the on the weekend. Pretty decent turnout. The agent came through as like a, just a preview for their clients, right? She said that she had uh, an open house uh, down the street earlier, and she had no one there. 
And I'm like, that's a shame. I had like 11, 12 groups through. So like, I'm pretty solid and I got another hour or so. Well, how'd you do that? And where'd you advertise? Did you advertise in uh, the Standard or the the Well and Tribune and stuff? I'm like, no. No just, newsprint. <laughs> I, I posted a photo of the house in social media. I boosted it for six bucks over the weekend. And here we are. And then she's like, well, what, what social media? Did you put it on, on, the, on the Facebook? She said the Facebook. See, so like right away it's like, okay. See, and there's a person like her, because another thing, we, we're in a weird kind of expansion where we have all these, these skills that we can utilize. Mm-hmm. It's just getting ourselves out there. I we, run a website and social media platform for a bed and breakfast in Niagara on the Lake. Yep. And she wasn't on Facebook. She hap- She's happy she is now, but she still doesn't understand it. So I'm handling all that, yep. including the website. There are that. companies like ours that will, yeah, run those kind and of things. somebody like her, yep. I don't know if she sees value in it, but we that's, just got to get our names and out there. Yeah. That's the tricky there, part. There's going to be a majority of agents out there that will be interested in it. Or at least are interested in it now. They just don't know where to go. Like there are a lot so of agents right now that like they just. <laughs> if only, if only. See the. <laughs> How do you get in touch with people that don't have social media? Convincing people. Well, who knows? It's not as easy anymore. <laughs> Flyers, I guess. The hardest part is to convince people oh, of the values, <laughs> the value of exactly what you're trying to sell, because they might have knowledge of what to compare it to, but they might not. They might say, "Hey." I don't know, $200 for so-and-so photos is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Not perhaps understanding the potential that they could, you know, the potential buyers that will come in, maybe the the price of the house doesn't get negotiated to lower because yeah. there's more options of people to pick through or, yeah. or whatever it is. Especially with the social media stuff because you can literally sell a significant amount more houses if you're just getting more people interested. 100%. Like, 100%. I think that's, that's almost a bigger drive than taking good photos. You can take half decent photos but promote the hell out of them and do a really good job yeah yeah now the social media side of things i think targeting somebody like the unnamed real estate agent is smart because if she's not on social media and she has no interest in it then that's where we'd probably be gold because if you have a real estate agent there are some out there because i do follow them that have really crappy social media feeds Mm -hmm. you can't go to them and say hey we'll charge you this because they're like well I already got it. I already got it. I'm good. I got it covered. Yeah. I'm good. Like, but well, you could improve this or good. that or yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Like, we'll go back to Joe Gonzalez. I said on the on the interview, and it's a good compliment. When we first started looking at him, one of the things that I noticed, which most people, when they're shooting any type of video, especially real estate, they never think about, is his camera angles, sometimes kind of weird. I'll remember, it was a house in Welland. And the camera was placed on the driveway, and it was an, it was a wide upper shot of the full house. Yeah. But he was wearing a wireless microphone, so he sounded great. Yeah. Anybody else would have sounded like shit. Yeah. But him, he sounded good. Yeah. The angle was okay. It showed the house, and yeah. it just made everything better. Yeah. And yeah. it's just things like that where yeah. a little bit of professionalism can go a long way. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, any any lesser real estate agent that wasn't Joe. They would have done that. They probably wouldn't have had the microphone. Yeah. And done it one shot. Terrible. Good enough. Uh, he also tends to do it in one shot too in some cases. And well, sometimes I mean, he The dude's got the talent to be able to do it in one shot, right? <laughs> so, And he's got the personality to be able to kind of carry it over. So he doesn't yes. need to do it in the second take. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like there's um there's a lot of, a lot of folks out there that uh, do have social media accounts and it's done okay. Like pretty much to like the bare minimum of what you would expect. Like... 
the trickling of posts here and there of like the odd times when they get a new listing, but they're never really active. So they don't really seem accessible. That's the key of like social media is to mm -hmm. seem accessible, be involved in it, right? It's not so much as like posting a listing or an open house when you have it. You got to post some stuff during your day and like what you're doing. You got to be responsive to like groups and communities and be out there, right? So you want to be able to seem like that when you're posting on Instagram, that's you posting on Instagram. So when you get a message, you can reply back right away and you're that accessible, right? So... And it's all in the follow-up too. Like once you like I get messages on Instagram all the time, questions about like financing, mortgages, inspections, stuff like that. And you do it's a, a matter lot of you do a lot of just direct work from Instagram. Is Instagram your biggest or do you uh, Facebook? Like I where? would say right now Facebook is, but okay. only because it's been around longer. And right like it's important to understand your audiences too, yeah. right? So like my audience on Instagram is very different than my audience on yep, Facebook. Yes. So the stuff I post on Instagram is different because I know that it will appeal to the younger 24 to but 34. But just the fact that you know that puts yeah. you miles ahead of a lot of people. Yeah, it does. Because when you look at the, the demographic of who is mostly using Facebook on a daily basis now versus Instagram, like you were just about to say. Yeah. Younger 2024. Yeah. For people Instagram. that are just thinking about it just yep. getting started it's a slow burn you know you got to work them but come 12 months from now like we're friends on instagram i'll like their stuff they'll like my stuff 12 months down the road we already have that connection let's yep. go look at houses the other side is facebook where it is a much older audience it's it's i got like my demographic i think is like 38 to 60 <laughs> on facebook like you guys got grandparents on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. I do. They, they're they on it all the time, right? So, <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> I get very strange messages and things sent to me. That I'm like sure you chain, do. Chain emails, but in yeah. Facebook, I don't know. Yeah, I get stuff from my, uh, my nanny and granddad all the time. Some of it borderline racist but i still got messages <laughs> oh yeah on, you know? occasionally. Like, <laughs> mine are no longer with us but i can only imagine the stuff that they'd be sharing yeah oh my god <laughs> um but yeah you gotta I, I know that like the stuff that i post on instagram like i can't post the beers that i drink on facebook because they won't it won't appeal to them yeah. but like i'll post stuff about home seller guides and how to get your home ready for market and then that's how i get the messages from those older sellers that are looking to to sell off so Yes. I mean, like, th those numbers are available to anyone. Yeah. You know, like, you create a business account on Instagram. You can go into your insights and know exactly who's looking at your stuff. Oh, I love looking at all the statistics and demographics. Yeah. And... It's important to know. So then that way you know what people are interested in and what they're not interested in. Another good thing is, like, the Instagram stories, which I now lately have started getting a bit heavier in. And, like, putting in the little, like, questions. So then you get feedback from people. Yeah, so you know, like... Active who's watching you right so so you know at least all that effort's not for any for nothing right so yeah getting the feedback is it's something that i think we actually have to improve on a little bit because we do it would take more regular posting but it, it's i'm sure it's a, there's a little bit of a thrill to it when you're i don't know continually talking to new people and, and getting something out of it instead of just shouting at a wall basically <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little bit better you need to get a bit of response and yeah, like yeah. you do get like the uh, what is it called? Uh, like the vanity metric of like likes, you know, like yes. when you, when you it's post a, a video. Yeah. yeah, it's, but it's like, it's, it's nice to see sometimes, but like the majority of people don't care how many likes you get on certain posts, but it's important like who's looking at things and who's interacting with things, right? People that share your stuff become like, 
your tribe essentially that will end up sharing your stuff and referring you to friends and tagging you and stuff and then that's how it kind of rolls out that way so i have a few people like that but i realized and it took a stupidly long time to realize it for some reason that whenever we post stuff about what we're doing it's it's okay typically it does really it does okay Mm -hmm. like we it was weird I've never thought about it, and then I found out that you can just nominate yourself, which makes it seem less cool. But somebody nominated us for a reader's choice in St. Catherine. Oh, nice. Nice. And I don't know who. Yep. And then when I went to check... How did you find out about this in the first place? Somebody told me. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, I saw... And that somebody wasn't the person that nominated you? I asked them. Yeah. I, like... I said, "Did you, was it you?" And they said, "No, I was just going and I was searching through and I looked at photography and you weren't there." And then it's nice because we fit in photo and video. Yeah, and photography. Yeah. There's like twenty five, and in video there's yeah. two. Yeah. So yeah, there you <laughs> it's go. It's good, but um, like a post like that did very well. But I find that whenever we post, you know, those beautiful wedding photos very quickly after the weddings, those unsurprisingly even though as i said it took a stupidly long time to figure it out and figure it out oh they do so well they pop so beautiful yep because the brides share them and then the videos if you do a highlight reel for a wedding oh they go and they go on anniversaries so there's weird i can always i never have to check but i can tell when it's a bride's anniversary because she'll reshare her old post or whatnot and it'll just get a bump and a bump and yeah it's nice yeah, it uh, it took me a long time to learn that too because I, I fell into that rut of feeling like I needed to fit in with other agents and just post photos, post work, work, work. And then once I started realizing that I got to really put my personality out there to try to attract people that are like me, that's when I started seeing a trickle in, right? I experimented a little bit with like the board games and the video games and it did okay, but like it didn't really get the attraction I was looking for. But like once I started posting more photos of my dog <laughs> and photos of beer. Of course. And, yeah. Like those are the things that got the most traction. And then this stuff work related, instead of just posting that like, I sold another house this week, go me. It's more like, I'm so happy about these buyers that purchased this brand new house. I'm so excited for the renovations that they have planned. Good for their cat and their dog and congratulations, yada, yada. People appeal more to the story aspect of yep. things. So it's that's probably why those wedding photos do so well is because there's a story behind yep. it, right? So so it's getting more interested in like the stories behind why you're posting. Yep. And like just being happy that you're a part of it. So that's my rule of thumb when I post on Instagram. So Sounds like pretty good, good advice. Rule. Seems to be working, so. <laughs> We've been going for a good long time now. I really? think. Yeah. It's almost been two hours. Been really? An hour, well, at least an hour and a half. Anyhow. No, okay. we were we were recording before. Well. Okay. Right. Anyway, yeah. I think it's a, a decent place to jump off from. I think we should sure. let you summarize anything that you, if there's something that you don't think How we've about your talked about. information. Contact? Yeah. Sure. Uh, we'll so, post it on the bottom of the screen. Yeah? yeah? Can I, like, point and you'll put it yep. there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, guys. This is uh, Chris Summerfield from uh, the Davis and Delot team. Thanks for watching. And uh, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me ting. here. Or uh, I got Facebook as well. You can follow me. Ting. Oh, thank you. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you can uh, give me an email at 
chris at davidsdelot.com. I won't need to spell it because it'll be right ding here. <laughs> that was awesome. good. Yeah, thank oh, you. Yeah. Perfect. That was Absolutely. the best uh, sign-off from anybody. Nice. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Have Thanks for night. watching. Thank you. Peace.